0: Welcome back once again to Season 4 of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking. It's called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season and last season has been focused on interviewing people who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame the past. And as much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show your support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal or leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. You can find the links for the books or donation options in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Hey folks, ready to come back to the episode here today? I am Amanda Blackwood, your host, of course. Uh, and I have with me a really interesting young man who's done some fascinating stuff with his life. Uh, his name is Adam Hart. Adam, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Amanda. I appreciate it.
0: I am excited to get to know you. I mean, all I saw was rock climbing and your, <laughs> your information. It was like, oh, OK, got to talk to this guy. Um, <laughs> but you've done some really interesting, fascinating stuff. Where did you grow up? Where are you originally from?
1: Well, I grew up in uh, in Toronto, um, uh, Central Canada. And uh, yeah, lived that, um, that very hectic uh, go, 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 big city life for, for quite a while. And um, got lucky that I got my burnout uh, moment at a young age. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So many people wait until they don't know what else to do with their lives when they get that burnout moment.
1: hmm yeah. yeah. No, I um I recognize there's an element of how a lot of us live in terms of the daily um go 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 and how, you know, certain aspects of our lives impact us and right. It's easy to get caught in the chase of trying to fix things and find our way back to um to our own uh, our own abundance and it's a, it's a tricky one to to navigate the modern world and uh, when we're stuck in that kind of a go 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 race.
0: Right, absolutely. Yeah. So you went through some stuff in your early life that kind of uh, sent you down this trajectory. Can you go into a little bit of that? What happened? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, in my early days, so, you know, up until I guess I was about 12, 13 years old. um, I definitely had a a young life where I I had all the nice things that, um, you know, we all hope we have as children. But the one thing I lacked was having that father figure, who knew how to express love in a way that helped me to feel secure and feel loved and feel safe. And so I, you know, I grew up with the a lot of shame, a lot of guilt and was diagnosed ADHD in my teens as well, kind of labeled as learning disabled. And so I had a real, real dark thought process and became very impulsive in my behavior, just in terms of just wanting to escape and, not feel my own emotions. That kind of set me up as I got into my 20s. I used food as my escape and became very addicted to processed food, sugar in particular, and became overweight, became pre-diabetic. And by the time I was 25, 26 years old, I was living off several different medications and told that um, if I don't fix the course I'm on, I'm going to be in pretty big trouble. And I was already in big trouble, but when you have your doctor, you know, keep handing you more prescription medication at 26 years old and says, if you don't change the course you're on, you know, you're, you're, you, you will be in trouble and be insulin dependent in the next six months or so. And so I, you know, I took that as my big, okay, there's something wrong with what's happening inside of my own mind but yet everything I kept turning to and was told I should look at to feel better, wasn't working. And, you know, those things included several diets and several different fitness programs that, you know, all promised some result, but yet my mind just would not let those sink in in a way that was easy for me. It was so stressful and so frustrating and led to more guilt and and anger, internal anger. And, you know, and then I tried the meditation and I tried yoga and all those other pieces too. And, and I'm not knocking any of those, but they weren't the solution that worked for me, you know, and even counseling right. and therapy, just it, just, it never, never got me to a place where I understood what was happening in my own mind and how to work with my mind in a way where I could get some freedom from those thoughts.
0: So how did you get unstuck?
1: Well, that's where the climbing came in.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I... I, I Discovered rock climbing as a just wanted to again being pre diabetic and unhealthy. And uh, I I stumbled onto an indoor rock climbing gym in Toronto. And there was something about it that intrigued me. And I said, Okay, well, I I know I got to be somewhat physically active and not going to buy another gym membership. So let's go and try this. And I went in with a friend of mine. And you know, the first time I ever went. And, and got on the rope and I got halfway up this wall. And it's not a super high wall, but it's, you know, it's an indoor, indoor wall. So probably about 15 feet up and I started to have a bit of a panic attack. And I could feel my nervous system trigger into that anxiety. And it was kind of an element of that experience where at the time I had to come down, I had to yell at my buddy, let me down, let me down, because I was just such in a panic mode. But there was something about it that I recognized that it was induced by something I was doing that I chose to do versus the rest of my life where my mind just had me locked into that experience without me even knowing I was living that way.
0: You were literally stuck.
1: Literally stuck, but became very intrigued by okay, wait a minute. So there's this anxiety physical feeling I'm getting when I climb that I'm actually learning how to work with in an environment that is quite safe to do so you know so like a a good example is I would you know I'd be driving to work and I would have such road rage just being stuck in traffic and you know that was just an automatic reaction that I just get so angry and frustrated about about being in traffic and then I would be at work and I would you know, doing customer service and having people be upset with you. And I would just be so upset all the time. And I kind of lived inside of that fight or flight trigger all the time and didn't really know it until I found climbing. Now, the climbing started to teach me that I could actually control, I can control my reactions to the moment of my life. I could actually teach my body and my mind to reset itself. And, you know, it took a little while to understand this. And, I, you know, I, I became very uh, addicted to climbing because it was the only thing that allowed me to have peace in my own mind. And as you climb, you start to realize, wow, so I'm climbing. I'm doing these beautiful movements. I'm working with my breath because you realize that it's the only way you can do it well. You can't be lost in your own thoughts while you climb. So I went all in on climbing. I left Toronto. This is a you know about a two-year period now. I found I was starting to get healthier. I left Toronto, I moved out to the mountains of British Columbia, Canada, and I started to train to become a, a rock climbing guide. I just I really wanted to immerse my whole life into this sport because of how it was making me feel and how I was able to reset my own stress response in a way that nobody ever told me I could do. No doctor, no therapist, and I'm not knocking any of that, but nobody said, Hey, Adam you can actually reset your own fight or flight stress response in the moment it's happening.
0: Wow.
1: Right. And so climbing taught me that climbing taught me about the nervous system. It taught me about my vagus nerve, the beautiful connection between my heart and my brain. And I started to to recognize, wow. So when I'm climbing, that is a real fight or flight scenario. So it kind of forces you to be very, Um, very conscious of what is happening in those moments. But what I realized through the climbing was, okay, so I'm very, you know, most of these triggers that we experience in our lives is very subconscious. They're happening as patterns in the background. So I started to recognize, okay, I'm now able to work with my fight or flight stress response and anxiety and climbing. What if I did the same things that I do climbing, the same practices that I do while I climb, There's two very specific practices, and and we'll definitely touch on those. But what if I brought these same two practices into my sugar addiction? And that was the first place I said, okay, I'm just going to work on this anxiety, the anxiety I have around food. And I wonder if I can create the same space from my anxiety around food the same way that I do in climbing. Because the anxiety that I had around food is not a real fight-or-flight stress response I don't have to I don't have to flee or fight in that moment but yet my body and my mind are still operating that way and so I started to bring these practices in and it worked extremely well extremely quickly to where all of a sudden I was able to shift my own cravings my own cravings for sugar in a way where I began to crave what other choice I had in that moment which ended up where my book, The Power of Food, came from was my exploration into this and learning that I can actually manifest a different relationship with food in a more loving way without having to eliminate my addiction to sugar. It was just around bringing the fight or flight response to sugar into my consciousness and bringing it into my consciousness is what transformed the relationship.
0: And that's something I have to admit that I have struggled with over the years.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think
0: a lot of people do. Sugar, a lot of people don't want to admit that sugar is just as addictive as cigarettes and drugs and caffeine and all that other stuff that we ingest and that kind of, in a way, poisons our body.
1: Yeah. And our minds. And, and you know, it, 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 it's 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 nobody's fault. Yes, there's a food industry that does know, you know, this. there's this, um, it's called the bliss point. So it's a combination of salt, sugar, and fat that is known to be highly addictive for the taste buds that captures the brain's attention. And so if we don't know how to bring consciousness to our life stressors and we start to look for escaping habits, sugar is just such an easy one because it's everywhere. It's quite cheap to grab some sugary stuff and it helps us to feel the ways that we want to feel, but yet it is quite toxic to our internal relationship with ourselves. Right. Right? And so, how do you do how do you work with that in a way where you don't have to give the sugar up, but you actually transform the relationship that you have with your your mind in a way where your heart is leading the way that you experience that relationship versus. That is being,
0: cool.
1: yeah, and I mean, because so much of life is so cerebral. We're so stuck in our heads, we're cut off from feeling emotion, most of coming from our childhood experiences where, We learn as a survival mechanism to to not feel because we know and recognize that feeling creates pain often when we're kids. Mm -hmm. And a large part of that is because we don't know how to regulate our response to the stress of our lives. So we, we get locked in these patterns. By the time we're in adulthood, we have lots of patterns of reactivity in our relationships, the way we are with our kids, with our own health in relation to you know, the things we use to escape, whether it's social media, pornography, alcohol, drugs, shopping, gambling, they're all part of the same mechanism, which is a a disruption in terms of the brain, nervous system, heart relationship. Speaking
0: of, you have a specialty in nervous system regulation. What does that mean exactly?
1: Yeah. So really, I mean, it's the foundation of who we are and how we are meant to experience life. And this is a uh, something that again we should be taught as children <laughs> how this functions and the power of it because it is a system that works automatically in the background right so that's the the definition of it is the autonomic nervous system and there's two main um two main ways that it functions one is a very restful and peaceful state and that's your parasympathetic or you mm-hmm. have your very revved up fight or flight sympathetic now if we don't know that that is filtering every moment of our life, which it is, then we start to believe all the thoughts that our brain produces and that becomes our life. What we don't realize is that the brain loves the fight or flight stress response. It loves (laughs) us to be in the anxiety, in the depression because the brain likes the energy it gets from the production of the hormones when we're in that state. And so when you start thinking about, you know, maybe it's self-esteem, self-worth thoughts, and, you know, we know how this works as we get into our adult lives and we still have a lot of the shame and frustration of, of things that have happened in our past. Now you add on some of the adult themes like your finances and your career and your relationships. All this time, the brain, very much like a computer system, is learning the algorithms of stress because it wants you to keep feeding it your adrenaline, your cortisol, and dopamine from the habits you choose to escape. Right. Those are the brain's main sources of energy. So you don't realize it, but your brain has you locked in these 70,000 thoughts a day. That's how many thoughts we have every day. Most of those are patterned because the brain has you locked in pattern ways of thinking about yourself and your life because it wants you to react to everything so that it keeps getting fed the energy it wants.
0: Wow.
1: Right. And so this leads to the majority of mental and physical symptoms that you suffer from right now. You think mentally, whether it's lack of outside of the thought, self-esteem and depressive thoughts, but it's also the brain fog, the lack of motivation, the lack of clarity, the lack of focus. It comes because your brain is working at a diminished capacity. But also what happens when we're stuck in this constant trigger to our lives is you are living from an inflamed state. So inflammation is rampant in the body. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) You
1: have a very, very big imbalance of hormonal distribution.
0: Yep. Right. You know, and you're going down this list and I'm going, well, I've got thyroid disease, I have chronic hives. Right. I have all of this stuff going on and you know, a lot of the stuff is linked to early childhood traumas. Yeah. But what you're saying absolutely makes sense. We are living in that constant state of having our brains on overload trying desperately to recreate these these interactions so that we'll feed it what it wants but recreating those actions is causing ptsd which feeds into the fight or flight and it's just this bizarre cycle
1: yeah yeah and unfortunately the many systems of modern society perpetuate this right whether it's the food system whether it's the 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 way we get information so the media system whether it's the um you know, pharmaceutical industry, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any of that. But if we don't learn how to work with our own biology, we just miss out on the fulfillment that's possible now in the present moment. And that's what, what working with our nervous system and teaching the nervous system to be healthy, to be in, in conscious relationship between what your mind is doing, what the thoughts are and the actions you take next. You know, you learn to master that few second space in your life and you win, you win the game. (laughs) But if you're stuck in your thoughts all the time and you're living reactive and you know it, you know, if you're doing this right, because the symptoms of how you feel mentally and physically are a direct relation to the consciousness of your relationship to your to your mind and your and your body. You know, how is your heart working with the nervous system? in relation to how your brain is working with your nervous system, is everything. And what I found is when I started to give my nervous system the right nourishment, it healed everything for me. I didn't have to get stuck in my head, which I did for many years, is how am I going to lose the weight? How am I ever going to get better? How am I ever going to get my energy back? Why do I feel like this all the time? When is it going to be my turn to have it this way? That just keeps us locked in the same inflammatory state with the same hormonal imbalance, with the same cravings that just the brain just keeps you locked in in living your life through. And there's no freedom from that. You won't right. find the solution in the next diet. You're just giving your brain more opportunity to create stress from the diet you're choosing to go on. The so end, what's, yeah.
0: what's one tip that somebody could take to heart right now to be able to start making these changes in their life
1: yeah and it's not just a tip this is this is the answer and i and i and i don't you know i'm not saying that from an egoic place i'm saying that from a from a real biological state if you want to learn how to work with your own biology in this way and and recognize the feeling of getting to be in touch with your own nervous system you have to work with it Throughout the day, not just your 20 minute meditation in the morning. That's beautiful, but that's not it. Your (laughs) brain and nervous system and heart are interacting 24 7, all day, every day. So, we need a tool, a practice, a solution that is something that we can bring into the moments of our very busy, hectic lives that allows us to keep resetting our nervous system back. into the parasympathetic state, that calm rest and digest state, where you feel the internal nourishment of the present moment. The practice that I teach all my clients this is the practice I learned when I was climbing. I would be up on these massive cliffs. Like at some point, I got really big into mountaineering and climbing big walls. And I would be up in the middle of these walls having real panic attacks, real scenario where there's thousands or hundreds of feet below me where I've had to reset. I have to reset. If I don't reset here, I could die. And I kept doing this rotation of breath. And I didn't know exactly what it was that I was doing, but all I knew is when I would stop, pause, and do this resetting of my breath in this way, I would open my eyes back up and I would have all my power back mental focus, motivation, physical strength, endurance, all of it came back. And so when I did the research on this and understood more of what it is I just did, what do I do, what am I doing when I'm resetting myself? And now, again, when I started to do it with my sugar, I didn't have to eliminate my sugar. When I craved the cookies, and that was my big one, when I craved the cookies, it's my meditation in, in, at the morning has nothing to do with my cookie craving at five, six, seven, eight, nine at night. I need something in that moment to reset that craving. That's when I brought the same practice. I'd be, okay, Adam, you're back on the side of the wall. You have hundreds of feet of exposure, but instead it's the cookies that are in your hand. Do the same breath practice. What's going to happen next? And so it it starts to create this, this pure feeling of fulfillment and, and freedom from what the brain is trying to get you to do in that moment. And when you start to teach your brain that you're not going to react, it gets angry. But, but, and this is the big but, the more we do this, the more the brain will let go of the thoughts that you're no longer being triggered to. If If you keep reacting to them, that's your life. But if you teach your brain that, hey, brain, listen, I'm going to work with my own biology in this moment. I'm going to reset my nervous system and I'm going to send you a beautiful signal that says you're safe. You're loved. Let go. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. And the cravings start to shift. And so the breath practice is called heart flow. It's a 33 second practice that helps you to reset your nervous system. Oh
0: my the, gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> is this in your book, the power of food?
1: Um, it talks It talks a a lot about my process, but it doesn't talk about the breath practice. Now, the breath practice itself, there's five key steps. And if anybody wants these, um, I'm happy to share it. You can grab it off my website, which is clearimpact.io, clearimpact.io. You can download it there. It's free. But all I ask is that you commit to doing this three times or more every day for the next seven days. That's less than two minutes a day but it's all you need to start to get a much more conscious perspective of what is really going on in terms of your internal relationship to the outer world.
0: And, you know, speaking of relationships, you have two of the cutest kids on the planet. How old are your kids now?
1: (laughs) They are nine and 11. Thank you for that. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
0: And I I understand that you have a really deep bond with your kids. What have you done to to make that happen for you? Because I mean, going through what you had to go through, that could not have been an easy overnight, just, hey, this is who I am now.
1: Well, you know, and, and it's not easy. It's not perfect. That's for sure. And I still get very triggered. My brain loves and all of our brains like to use proximity, the people that are closest to us to find the trigger spots. And so this is why so many relationships end in in a breakup is because the brain has locked into algorithms around our partners and our kids to feed off of the reactivity to them. Mm -hmm. My role is to regulate that, is to be a nervous system regulator in the presence of my own kids when they fight I need to breathe. This is heart flow, heart flow, heart flow moments for me. And again, not perfect. I'll fly off the handle, but most of the time I'm in a space of my own regulation. What that does is it puts me in a space of co-regulation for them. Not the words that I say. It's the frequency of my nervous system that helps them to and helps their nervous system regulate how they're using each other as a trigger their wow. their brains are are learning just like ours are and so they get bullied at school or or my daughter you know she's at that age where she's thinking about boys and so she's <laughs> at, and she knows I'm a safe place to to have conversation around that but I can feel her nervous system and the way her brain is operating around some of her now you know pre-teen life experiences and if I don't hold space for her nervous system to work with the emotions that are coming up, her brain is going to run amok. Yeah. It's designed to do it. And so the primary that we focus on in our house is heart flow. It's grounding in our breath. It's being willing to say, okay, let's just take a pause. Let's do the reset, guys. We know what we're doing. We know how this is working. We understand what the relationship that we're trying to bring as, as the place that we work from and really i mean the one word is presence it brings presence to the moment where the brain isn't locked into the past stuff and the need for the future to be different it brings us here right now and that has a feeling to it and so all that we focus on in terms of the health and wellness of our own lives and, are, and for my life and for my kid's life is presence. It's continuing to nourish and understand the relationship with how presence feels like so that you know that you have the choice to hold that as your life experience. Wow.
0: Now looking at the cover of your book, I, I love this cover. For one thing, I'm a huge fan of avocados uh, <laughs> and the power of food over that yellow background and that bright green, beautiful avocado. It just, it just screams, I want to eat that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it, underneath the, the, the subtitle is 100 Essential Recipes for Abundant Health and Happiness. Do you have like one favorite recipe that you just go to?
1: Yeah. Well, in that book, the most popular one is the flourless hemp peanut butter cookies. Oh, yeah. So, you know, food became a very, a very important part in my understanding of how my energy can work. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, so I can manifest different foods that make me feel even more energized and more focused. Hemp seeds was one of those foods. When I discovered hemp seeds, it was just such a beautiful digestible source of protein that my body, particularly my my own experience with it, was it was very healthy for my body. And so those cookies became my go-to for uh, all my mountain adventures and just my everyday you know, going out and doing speaking tours and whatnot, I would always have a bunch of those with me because they were super tasty, but also very nourishing.
0: That's awesome. That sounds really good. So my own cookbook just came out a few days ago, but I'm absolutely planning on getting yours now because there's never enough recipes in a kitchen.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love to check <laughs> yours out too. I, You know. It became, it became for me a lot of like, like a, a fresh canvas for an artist where next thing yes. I knew I was, I was just loving being in my kitchen. I couldn't believe how much joy I was getting from it, but it was because <laughs> of the presence that I was holding in my body. I manifested food as, a, as a, um, the most exciting thing I, I was able to experience at that time in a way where now I get that same feeling from a lot of other places now that I understand how to create more of that in my life. But food is 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 such a great tool.
0: Yes. It's a love language for me. It's acts of service Mm. and gifts at the same time. Totally. You know, and... I, I tell people all the time that I learned how to cook out of self-defense because my mother was a terrible cook
1: uh, and that's, that's
0: not a hundred percent true. She did have a couple recipes that were quite good that I will never be able to repeat. But from mm-hmm. what I understand, she told, stole those from recipes uh, that from restaurants where she worked when she was younger.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, we all probably get our inspirations from others, but right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. And, and yeah, anytime we can have food in, in, in our daily relationship, it just gives us some of the power back.
0: Right. Absolutely. And being creative in whatever way works for somebody is mm. such a huge therapeutic practice.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, because it brings you out of your head and into your heart and allows you to connect to what it feels like to feel fulfilled in the present moment. Yeah. You know, I think it's just knowing that we can, we can train that. We can train that into, into our way of being. If we have the right tools that fit the modern lifestyle, that continually bring us to that space, the heart, you know, the autonomic nervous system, again, it's automatic. When we train it through this heart flow breath practice, it starts to automatically happen for you where you get to drop into presence much easier. It just takes the initial training to get there.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Adam, I always have one, well, two questions that I ask before I let people go. Mm -hmm. The first one is, are you, would you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? And have you always been that way or has that shifted over your life?
1: Mm. Well, I definitely was an introvert younger uh, out of fear of not wanting people to dislike me and, you know, just hiding. Um, I think there's still an element of my way of being that has that energy. It's still there. Again, it's not about perfection, mm-hmm. but I know that the energy of presence wants expansion. The energy of feeling fulfilled wants expansion. And so there is an element of my energy that wants to be an extrovert in a way where it, it, it just wants others to understand how to feel the way that I feel knowing that it's, it's a real tangible uh, experience that we can tune into, and so I think if, if I can tap into more of the extrovert energy that's there, the mission will um, will reach more people.
0: Fantastic! And what is one thing that you truly love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance?
1: Mm, I just I just never give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, the top of the list. I uh, I don't have that in me to. To to see something as a failure, everything is just another step forward, another another moment of growth. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm a pretty big deal. That is awesome. <laughs> I've had to learn to own that one. I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I can say that. I, I mean, it would be a struggle for most people because we all go through this imposter syndrome, especially after um, experiencing any kind of a trauma in our lives. I don't mm. think any of us get away undamaged in some way.
1: No, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: Adam, thank you so much for coming on my show. Um, I have very much enjoyed our conversation and I'll make sure that I have your link to your website in my uh, description of the podcast. And uh, is there anything, any last words that you want to leave for anybody?
1: No, that's great. Yeah. I appreciate you having me a I minute. Mean, and, you know, anybody who, who this resonates with, I'm always happy to, uh, to connect. So yeah, thank you for the, for the time and for sharing uh, energy with me.
0: If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description there. You'll find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted. I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune in to my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash growth from